0: Welcome to the Preacher Podcast, where we believe that preaching should be biblical. And for it to be biblical, it must be Christ centered. We talk to preachers about, well, preaching. Whether you have preached one sermon or 1,000, we're here to serve those who want to preach better. I'm your host, Alan Stanley. And now, the rest of the conversation from the last episode. Imagine you're in the congregation and you gave your example week after week and you're hearing these applications, you're hearing, you're kind of hearing that, you know, the best thing in the world to do in terms of God's eyes is to go into full-time ministry, things like that. What are some of the dangers of that?
1: Oh, massive dangers. So let me tell you about Angela, (laughs) who contacted me after reading my first book. Um, So she told me she'd spent years sitting in the pew feeling guilty, Mm. feeling guilty because she felt her faith wasn't strong enough for her to make that decision to go to Bible college and become a proper Christian. Um, Now, she, she, uh, she always excused herself as being just a receptionist, just a receptionist in a hospital. Um, And she felt that her responsibility, the message she got was her responsibility was to take God to work, almost like God was in her backpack (laughs) going to work. And every now and then she'd just let him out a bit. You know, if someone asked her what she did on Sunday, she would say, oh, I I went to church. And she'd let God out for a little bit. Um, But she found that often when she mentioned church, that that shut down the conversation pretty quickly. But this whole change that she went about when she thought, God might actually be interested in her work. In fact, God might already be in her workplace. That her responsibility may not be to take God as a burden to work, but actually to go to work looking for where God was already at work and to connect with Him changed everything mm. for her. And she started right. to see pockets of opportunities, places of where she could have conversations. She had more conversations than she'd had before um, because it was more natural because she went to work knowing that God was with her, um, that he could work through her, that she could do her work in a way that honoured God, um, that her focus was now on serving others. So rather than spending all her time at work thinking that God wasn't there and God wasn't happy with what she was doing, she now saw that this could be a place where she could live out her faith in a vibrant way. Um, it's completely changed all her thinking around work. Um, and yeah, she was telling me she she actually had to change jobs. Um, having, having spent um, a couple of years um, bringing about a whole load of change, but, but she prayed a lot about whether she should leave that job and whether she should work somewhere else. And she said to me she would never have prayed about those sort of things before in the same way because she saw now that that God had created this this mission opportunity through her work, had opened her eyes to it, um, and she needed to know that she was aligning herself with his purposes, with her decision-making. Up till then, in 30 years of working, she didn't think that God would even be interested in it.
0: Um,
1: that's a big shift. It's a what really do you th- big shit.
0: What do you think of the, um, the idea of, you know, call someone, you know, being called into ministry? What do you think of that?
1: <laughs> okay. Well, that's obviously really mm-hmm. contentious. <laughs> um, so I think, uh, yeah, so the – The calling in the Bible um, in the Old Testament and the New Testament is is basically it refers to being called um, to to salvation um, and the New Testament salvation in Christ, um, to belong to God's people um, and to live a life of holiness or holy living in the New Testament. Those are the sort of three basic areas we're calling And that's a calling that all of us have. Then I think, I mean, there's obviously those special callings. Um, So, you know, the prophets receiving their special calling to certain actions and activities. And I think, but they're very rare. So, um, but I think that there still is um, an alignment with God that needs to happen. Um, I think God walks with us Mm -hmm. two different things. Otherwise, why would Paul have prayed and the others prayed so carefully before they did certain activities and went certain places and why did they have such a strong sense of where they were to go and, and what was happening. Um, so I think I think there are callings. I think there are, more importantly, I think there are giftings um, that we're given, gifts that we're given to live out in different contexts. Um, and I, I think that if you're open to God and you're exploring this with God, then he then he guides us. He will slam a door shut and he will open another door. Um, In terms of the ministry, I think there are, in most denominations, there are well-practice processes for this, and and really they're the same practices that everyone should do. Um, I think they should actually be something we we work through with people Mm -hmm. in churches. Um, So they're practices of being prayerful, Um, Sometimes there's fasting, there's consideration of different opportunities and options, there's wise advice given from trusted elders, there's testing of different opportunities and giftings, and then there's moving into those Mm. callings. Um, And I think actually they're really good practices for whether you end up being fantastic in business or a really awesome police officer or a wonderful doctor or pastor of a church, I think. I think. Yeah, no. They, those processes. No, I really,
0: be. I really mm-hmm. am on board with all of that. And you know, I, I think of someone who, for example, and I've actually have an actual example in mind here, but someone who has a decision between um, going into an engineering career or going into perhaps a career in full time ministry. And, you know, the temptation is great to think that um, God is going to be more pleased if I go into full-time ministry. Um, And perhaps there was a time when I used to think like that, but I really don't think like that anymore. I really don't. Uh, Because, you know, I mean, you think of all of the, you know, I mean, all of humanity and God's desire. It's not just the Sunday thing, you know, it's, hmm. as you say, we've got, we've got the whole of the week. And in my mind, I think of it like this, you know, if you kind of get in God's mind for a moment, he's saying, okay, guys, um, I've got this plan and it involves spreading my image and my presence throughout the world. Um, and I know what, I know how easy it is for all of you to get distracted and things like that. So I'm going to make it really easy. Um, you don't have to change anything you don't have to do anything extra just be where you are and wherever you are is going to be important um and don't worry whether that's that's, you know in this particular job or that particular job just wherever you are and you know i think that perhaps we labor under the assumption sometimes that where we are is not that important you know, even if it's a checkout operator, mm-hmm. um, or it's an accountant, yeah. or a builder, whatever it is. Um, but God has put us everywhere uh, for you know, and and that's and you know we're not. It's my belief that we're not called to a particular position, but as you say, we're called to a way of life, and that way of life can happen anywhere.
1: Yes, absolutely, and. You and I have both been at Bible colleges where we've seen people who have made that amazing sacrifice and left their jobs and gone there and just said, God, here I am, you know, I'm ready now to do this stuff. And then they go through the processes and they're not really suited for missionary work. They're not really suited to be a pastor. And the impact of that on those people is shattering because their whole lives they've been told that this is the way to be the perfect Christian. Um, And then we had a situation in Sydney a few years ago, about 10 years ago, where there weren't enough jobs for all the people who were put through. There weren't enough jobs in the church. We didn't have the money to pay them to do the work. Um, And at the same time, what we lost was the potential influence in society of those people doing their things I remember um, there's a book I've got, which is a tribute to John Stott, and he's someone I admire greatly, um, and uh, one of the people who writes this tribute uh, said that he was a, a lawyer and he, he went to John Stott and he said to him, you know, Papa John, you know, I'm really excited. Um, I've, I've made the decision that I will give up law and I will go into the church. And John Stott looked at him and they had a long relationship. They, they, they were he John Stott knew him really well. And he said, oh, I'm curious by your decision. He said, I really think God can use you far more in the legal profession. And that guy went on to become a magistrate and have quite a significant amount of influence in that level of society. And he said at that point, Although he felt crushed because, once again, he thought this is this would make John Stott really happy. <laughs> At that point, um, he was crushed, but later he saw the wisdom of it. He saw that he wasn't really well suited for church work, um, that it wouldn't have been a really good use of his gifting and his skills and his experience. Um, so I think, yeah, I think we really need to... To work with people to see where their gifts and their skills are, and to see how God can use them in those contexts. Mm.
0: Um, can't, yeah, yeah, and
1: you it's can't. it's surprising, like when you do that. Um, so I've I've had some people, you know, who've been through this, have been incredibly beautifully integrated Christians in their workplaces. The really annoying thing is that so many of them end up working for <laughs> churches, and I think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost them, but no, it's I'm, I'm being facetious there. But my point is that if you're integrated 24-7 for God, if you're listening to God, you're prompted by God, you're looking for those opportunities, then um, you're going to be far more enthusiastic, energised, see opportunities, you're going to um, be excited about what God is doing um, and much more easily sort of shifted into different ways that God might want you mm. to serve in the future. Like, yeah, that's the thing. And this is the thing I think we we miss. Um, the The studies actually show um the studies from Barna and then then there's this massive um, massive research project that's underway, unfortunately, just in the states, um, that Denise Daniels is part of a multi-million dollar sort of project. It's just a massive research project. But already it's showing that those people, who do have a sense of 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 when i i mean when we say calling to a job what they mean is they feel that they can serve god in those ordinary roles if they feel that then not only are they completely switched on in that context but they also tend to be far more involved in their churches they're good givers they're because it impacts on all your life. It's not just Sunday Christian, yeah. Monday anything. It's like you're you're fully on on for Jesus in every area. You
0: know, one of the things I've just thought about that that may contribute to this as well. I talked about Greek thought before, but you know, when G, when uh, you know in the Gospels, Jesus calls the disciples. They leave their jobs, and you know, I'm sure that you know when we think about. When we think about that, we think, well, you know, look at them. Um, They did that and so on and so forth. But when you think about it, you know, some of these men went on to be the authors of the New Testament. And, but when we think of the New Testament, we often want to model ourselves on Paul, for example. I mean, he becomes, and, and, but the New Testament is written to the average Joe Blow, if I could put it like that. They're they're working, Mm -hmm. they're doing whatever they're doing out in real life. Um, Not everybody's a Paul, and Paul doesn't even call people to be a Paul. He says, imitate me, but that's got nothing to do with become an apostle, become a missionary, a church planter. It's got to do with imitate my way of life.
1: Yes, as I imitate Mm. Christ. Exactly, that's that's completely it. And regardless, I mean, he's he's pretty integrated, mm-hmm. right? Like he's he's a yes. tent maker, and we often think he was just a tent maker to earn money so he could do the other stuff because he didn't want to distract from the gospel. But actually, the the pattern of the rabbis at the time was that they were bivocational. They didn't see the work as being lesser. They see work as as part of the shaping of God and part of of. Of worshiping God and honoring God, um, yeah. So, so the tent making was a context for 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 meeting people and relationship forming and everything else. But he was honoring God in the way he did it. Um, Jesus, I mean, why did he spend thirty years being a builder slash carpenter? Um, yeah. Like you know, he could have turned twenty and gone out there. Surely, like why did he take so long? Well. There's got to be something of value in the work that he was doing and the wisdom he was developing um, and what he was watching and observing. Um, The stories he told, I mean, he he told stories about people in in different contexts, work contexts, and that's because he observed them and they were real. And he wasn't just doing that to send a spiritual message through. He was actually telling them the shape of of this way of life I think in real ways tangible ways that that will be remembered and and earthy and gritty and formed um, and we shouldn't yeah.
0: forget the fact either that work itself is important in other words a Christian doesn't turn up to work just to look for opportunities to talk about Jesus um, <laughs> part of loving your neighbor is wanting to promote the common good, to serve others, to help others, and so if you're a mechanic, you want to do a good job because you care about the person driving that car, you want them to have a good car, and so on and so forth. I think that's, you know, when God creates us in his own image, he doesn't just create a mouthpiece, you know, he, he, he no. doesn't just say, well, now go into the world and speak, tell people about me. We've we've got arms, legs, everything else, and we're and we're whole. We're holistic, and so we don't want to forget that the the work that we actually do is important. We're not just looking. I know some people think about mm. think like this. We're not just looking to oh, give me an opportunity to talk to talk about Jesus so I can get to their soul. We're actually more holistic mm. than that. At least we should be.
1: Absolutely. So. Yeah, I think there's intrinsic value in the work itself. There's not just extrinsic value. It's not just a means to an end. Um, We are created in the image of a God who works. Um, (laughs) And he does amazing work and good work. Um, The very first commandment to us is to work, to steward creation, God creates this garden, and then He looks for someone to work with Him in the garden. Um, I don't think these are accidental things, and you know, there's a um, there's an element where we can't read into that too fundamentally. But I think that this line between work and worship that we tend to put in is artificial, um, and even in the language itself, it's broken down because um, in the Hebrew. The word for work also means worship mm. and serve. And the two words in Genesis 2:15, those Hebrew roots of um Abad and Shema, keep the garden, those are the same combination of verbs that are used of the work of the priests in the temple. Like there isn't supposed to be this division. I think we 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 tend to that's that's Greek thought, Greek philosophy that has meant that we read this division into it. That division does not exist in the whole of the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, it's something that that Paul wrestles with, but I suspect that he was a lot more holistic than we understand. I remember that that same guy who preached that sermon about Abraham. um, He was doing a series on um, 1 Peter, and he came to me and he confessed to me he was really frustrated because Peter at no point tells the the people he's writing to to go out and evangelise. But what he does tell them to do is to work really well amongst everybody that they may see you good deeds and honour the Father in heaven. Very similar words to the words that, that Jesus uses in Matthew 5 about being salt and light. Um, so Peter is actually saying, you know, by the way that you live and work amongst people invite questions because you've got to give an answer, as mm-hmm. he says um, in the very next chapter, um, chapter 3 of 1 Peter. You know, you've got to give an answer for the faith that you believe in. Um, and that's, I think that's much more the pattern um, um, that we that we read. It's the same pattern that Paul uses when he tells people, you know, to, to maintain the station that they are, whatever they're doing, keep doing it as Christians. Um, and then you know he goes on to say you know whatever you eat whatever you drink whatever you do do it to the glory of God and then later he he actually addresses the issue of um, your thinking and your speaking in Colossians um, um, do it uh, as an act of of worship to God and when you work you're not working for human masters you're working for God um, so work wholeheartedly I mean these are these are really obvious things that say that what we do is really important with our bodies what we do with our bodies all the things and this is work that's not just remunerated work cuz he's talking to slaves at that point it's actually it's actually what you're whatever you do it's it's all the activity that we do paid or unpaid work um
0: mm. yeah
1: even washing up uh, <laughs> these things are important I mean, God has said that he will provide for the world. Well, how does he provide for the world? He provides for the world through the work of everyday people. Um, And the other thing that gets me is, you know, you'll get, we're we're, we're sitting there in the church and we're hearing how the only thing that matters is, you know, this God work of proclamation of the gospel um, so that we will go to heaven when we die and yet we're sitting on chairs, Um, chairs that have been fashioned and made by people. We're reliant on um, electricity that's been generated. We're reliant on all this amazing technology that has been made and created by people like we're surrounded by the work of others which enable us to hear this message and we don't see the irony of that at all. (laughs) <laughs> so you brought
0: us back to the subject of preaching and, you know, this this is a preaching podcast. And, but this, this, I mean, this is all very fruitful and in a way it's not surprising that we, um, you know, have gotten so deeply into this topic because it's whole of life. So we can't yeah. sit here uh, and simply talk about preaching because, you know, this is an integrated thing. Um, but we do want mm-hmm. to come back to the subject of preaching and you've brought us there. So talk now about, you know, someone might be listening to this and think, yeah, I really feel like, you know, I'm one of those people who, you know, my sermons are just very, you know, that, that, that targeted towards spiritual applications are targeted towards um, telling people the gospel mm-hmm. Um, but there's nothing in there in terms of people's life from Monday to Friday kind of thing. Um, give us some practical tips, ideas on um, how people can start to implement this in the pulpit.
1: Absolutely. Well, um, a few things. One thing is, um, yeah, Neil Hudson um from London Institute for Contemporary Christianity, uh, he talks about the difference between gestures and posture. So, a gesture might be that you decide, as a result of this, well, I'll do a sermon series on whole of life um, application. I'll do a sermon series of faith and how it applies and work, and and that will be that will be great gestures that will be greatly appreciated by people in the congregation. They will really value it, um, and it will be you'll get heaps of wonderful feedback. Um, but he says what's more important, and I think this is true, is that we, we begin to adopt the posture of, of, of whole life preaching. In other words, as we look at the text, we, we look at it and try and take off those spiritual blinkers as they were, um, and we start to think about it from the perspective of, of what the text actually says about life, about matter, about bodies, about, about the ordinary stuff. Um, and then what we do is, uh, we begin to think about how are people going to hear this in their different contexts of where they are. Um, one thing that Tim Keller did, and I think this is a really helpful thing, uh, was that if he had a series coming up on a book of the Bible, then he would invite into the room, a stay at home parent, someone who worked, someone who was an artist, um, someone who was retired, and he would ask them to read through this book of the Bible and then to come and then start to talk to him about what they saw in its pages. Um, So then you begin to see what people see from their different perspectives, um, from their different contexts, from their different vocations, and it begins to open it up a bit more. But the other thing is what you mentioned, um, visiting people. And don't just visit people in a coffee shop, visit people in their context. Um, I'm saying this from lockdown Sydney, so it's impossible <laughs> at the moment. However, um, yeah, if it wasn't in lockdown, like go, go to where people are. So, you know, if someone, you know, coaches in community sport, then go with them one day to to see them doing that process um, and seeing where they mingle and who they are. And that opens up heaps of opportunities because people will be curious why this person's pastor has come along. Um, like that opens up conversational opportunities anyway. But you'll you'll begin to see what people wrestle with and mm-hmm. how they think about their faith integrating into all these spaces. How do you put God at the center when you're coaching competitive sport?
0: And you can't help but bring that back to sermon preparation. That can't that can exactly. you know, it just gets in it's in your mind and you're thinking about it as you're working away and all of a sudden it, it just, there's this natural integration that starts to take place. You think differently about, you know, the way that you're mm-hmm. working with the text and you think more about application and, and so forth.
1: Absolutely. And it just opens up conversations. It gives people permission to talk about those areas of their lives. Now the danger is, and um, I remember a student came up to me and, and he said that he'd realized that when he went, for those cafe meetups. Um, he used to go with an agenda. He was the pastor and he went with an agenda on church business. But what he started to do was go without an agenda. I'm not going to talk about church business. I'm going there to see this person and how I can support them in the context in which they are. And that opens up the opportunities. Um, I remember I was I was talking to a class of Alderman's ordinance there were 22 there and i said you know put up your hand if if a pastor ever visited you in the church in your workplace context and two people put up their hand two out of 22 so it's sort of pretty low percentage um but when i asked them further we found out that one of them was a barista in a cafe and the pastor actually came really to ask if they could use the cafe for church events so there was a definite agenda there um the other guy said that um the pastor had had come to take photos of this big kiln that he had there because he was giving a talk about the refining fire. <laughs> uh, so it was sort of an agenda, but, I mean, the pastor got a heap out of it. Um, I, think, I think those sort of things, like actually sort of beginning to, well, it's part of that, exegeting your congregation, understanding where they're coming from, what they're hearing, um, and how they're actually going to live this out. I think that will develop far, far greater understanding and application and uh, far richer um, exploration of the Bible as well. It doesn't become purely an intellectual exercise. It becomes a wrestling with God exercise um, and a a growing in relationship with God and with each other Mm. exercise. Um, I think the other thing um, that I've seen people do, which is really helpful, is, is interviewing Uh, congregation members um, either before the sermon or after the sermon and and just beginning to understand a bit more about like have a question that actually either preempts the sermon or is a question of application after the sermon and that really helps people to get some more ideas about how they can then translate that into their context Um, and and it also um, yeah prepares people's hearts to receive a message that that is going to challenge them for for how they're going to live this out as well. Um, So that's a really good exercise. Um, Tom Nelson said um, one of the things he started doing was being really aware of the language used. So the word ministry became a word that they didn't use anymore because ministry suggests that there's only certain special work that God looks at and not other work. And so they stopped talking about ministry. They just talked about work in church or work in other contexts. Um, he talked about church as not just what they did on Sunday, but the church-scattered idea of where people were all through the week. Um, and I think those sort of language changes are really important. The other thing he did, which he said was really important, was cultural changes. So he said he'd realised that the only people they ever got up the front to pray for or commission where the <laughs> where the the missions people and the preaching uh, the people going off to bible college and stuff like that that he started to to get other people up front i think in 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 some of that language and those cultural changes the con you're, you're changing the setting your your vision for the church is not just a narrow discipleship but a a much broader discipleship and this is This is critical. This is so critical because what's happening in workplaces is that people are being actively discipled there. So um, I was listening to one of the people I'm teaching leadership to at Alpha Crucis, and we were talking about vision, mission, and values, and he was talking about he works for Apple. And Apple don't have vision, mission, and values. They have the Apple credo. So they have a creed. Now that's... That's religious language, right? They have this creed that they uh, they follow. And the creed is about doing your best work and it's about finding your purpose. And Apple is promising to develop your gifts to, to the, the best ability. Like it's, there are a whole load of discipling promises being made there. And that's what's happening in the workplaces where the congregation members are. So unless we begin to, give them an alternative way of thinking, uh, show them that church isn't just about Sunday and then you get discipled into the workplace Monday to Saturday. No, that church is is discipling you to a way of life that you can then go forth and live out in your Monday to Saturday. Um, I think that's really critical.
0: Yes, and it's almost um, so it's a, it's a matter of changing the ethos, changing the culture. Um, I've often suggested to um, people actually that rather than telling you know rather than kind of communicating to people that here we are we've come along to worship um, that at the end of the service we send people off to worship right they're going yes. outside now they're going outside now to worship um, and yeah. the yeah. sermon is in some ways a time to you know um, to equip, People to do that. Mm. And it's, yeah. yeah, this has it. been great. Thank you very much. Um, are there any particular resources um, that you would suggest for people if they wanted to <laughs> look into this more? Obviously, uh, your two books. Oh,
1: thanks, Alan. That would be helpful. Um, definitely, Workship Two has half the book is about um, for helping churches to better equip people for the workplace. So yeah, um I think that would be helpful. And there's a chapter on on sermons there. Um yeah, I think uh Tish Harrison um Warren's book on liturgy for the um for the ordinary is really helpful in helping us to think through how God engages with the ordinary parts of our lives, the things we all do. Um, so I know that sometimes when you talk about work, um people feel like that discounts some people in the congregation. So if you talk about, you know, whole of life and and understanding how God, um, yeah, interacts with us in the ordinary, I think mm. that's that's mm. much broader and that's helpful. Um, yeah, I've mentioned London Institute for Contemporary Christianity a couple of times. Um, they have a whole load of resources that are really helpful. They've actually got um, a set of videos on whole life preaching. um. And that's, they're, they're terrific. Neil Hudson and um, Anthony Billington do those. So they're just like five, 10-minute videos, but they're really helpful. Um, they also have uh, a fruitfulness on the front line book and series, which is really, really good as well. Um, so rather than, again, just thinking, they they talk about sort of where where is your front line? Where do you spend most of your time? And how is God shaping you? to be his person in that place. Uh, and I think that sort of language um, has has been really helpful for people um, to grasp hold of. Uh, the Theology of Work Project is a website that's um, fantastic. Um, they started off and they were just going to look at the verses in the Bible that deal with work. And then when they started to go through, they realised that, oh, my gosh, there's much more than they originally thought. Um, the the Bible, they needed a commentary in the end on on every book of the Bible, which they've now developed. Um, But all these resources are available for free on their website. There's a section that's there for pastors, there's a section for theologians, um, and there's a section for ordinary workers. Um, That's a really, really great resource. Um, They've got a whole collection of different people who've inputted into that. So I would be the first to say that there is some unevenness in. perhaps the quality of the resources or the approach um but there's there's some real gems in there there's some really really helpful um helpful work that's been done on that and it was certainly it's just an opportunity to think through from a work perspective um or from a other context perspective some verses that perhaps we've become over familiar with um yeah i think they're they're all really helpful i'm i'm happy to Put up some other resources um um, through your website if you like.
0: Uh Mm. yeah, we'll include them definitely. And under normal circumstances, Mm. you do you are available to come and do seminars anywhere around the world, including New Zealand. Absolutely.
1: I've been to Wellington. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, it's an incredible privilege to do that. I spent a lot of time in Malaysia and Mm. Singapore. You see, there there's not so much of the dualism because they're they're surrounded by Muslims and Hindus, for whom religion is part of all of life. They haven't been tainted yes. by this Greek philosophy yes. dualism, and so yeah, so there's a real hunger amongst the Christians for for assistance in, in being able to apply it um, more broadly. Um, yeah, so yeah, there's been great opportunity mm. to do that, and there's great. I, I, this is a growing yeah. area. I think. I think. Yeah. This is an area where we're just realising there's there's two things that have happened. You know, we can sit back in our churches and just complain about the world and how it's turning against us, um, but we've actually contributed to it because we've made faith a private Sunday thing. Uh, we've actually meant that people say to us, "Well, you know, we don't want you to practice your faith in our workplace, and we don't want you to practice your faith in." in the sporting field, in the sporting arena and so on. We, we don't want you to do that. And we, we've actually contributed to that by making faith all about a private Sunday thing. And so we've, we've got to start being able to live this out and show people that faith impacts every area of our life and and it has a place in every arena. It impacts on our decisions. It impacts on how we work. Hopefully it means we do excellent work and we care beautifully for our work colleagues, but it's got to impact everywhere that we go. And until we we fully grasp that and live that out, then we're just reaping a whole load of centuries of <laughs> of this truncated theology, this stunted theology that Tom Nelson mm. talked about. That's
0: well, mm. a good place to end it. Thank you so much, Cara. And um yeah, I look forward to Uh, following you and and seeing how your work develops
1: thank you ellen i'm so excited for the opportunity i'm excited what you're doing with this podcast and i i hope it um, brings rich blessings to everyone who listens
0: Thanks for listening to the Preacher Podcast. If you've got a question or topic you'd like answered on a podcast, then please email alan at preachit.nz. If you'd like to know more about Preacher and the training we offer, go to www.preacher.nz or check out our Facebook page. This podcast was produced and edited by Ruffy and Beats with music by Samuel James. Catch you next time on the Preacher Podcast where we want to serve those who want to preach better.